0: Welcome to Big 20, a roundtable discussion where GMs from all walks of life discuss gaming and field questions from viewers. Hosts this week are...
1: Hey, this is Wayne from Fear the Boot.
2: And I am Chad from Fear the Boot.
3: And I am Nick from the Mythos Busters podcast.
0: But totally not Fear the Boot.
3: No, (laughs) just a listener.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, thanks. (laughs) This week, we are talking about B and C plot lines.
1: So with the current campaign, I'm doing things a little bit different than I have in the past with like B campaigns. Uh, like usually for my B plots, I throw out a bunch of plots, see what uh, the players kind of jump on, and the one they like the most becomes a plot, and then you know others that show interest kind of become B's and C's. Uh, this campaign though, I've looked at every individual character, and I've created a B plot for each individual one, okay. and. Uh, hasn't that hasn't come up yet but i'm going to kind of be sprinkling them in and look for times when you know maybe somebody doesn't make it to the game that might be a good time to kick off a b plot for somebody that is there in the game uh gonna see how it works i, I kind of like that idea though of instead of just my generic world b plots each one tied to a specific character in their backstory
2: yeah yep yeah i I really like that too I mean I personally for me it it's the game master has the story i mean they they have like the whole shoot match there uh and it it I find it hard enough to get player buy in uh when Players say, say you're playing a game where there isn't a lot of uh, world building from the players. Like Dresden Files has a whole thing about building the world and all the players build the world and stuff, and you can do that in other games and whatnot. But sometimes you don't. Sometimes games just don't have that. And the to get buy-in from players, it uh, it it can be a challenge sometimes. Uh, so I really like doing B plots that are just really revolve around the player. They're, they're just all about the character, an individual character or a relationship that a couple of characters have. It's, I think the more characters that you can pull into it, the better, uh, because I know I've done it way too many times where someone's B-plot brings all the spotlight to them in a session, mm. you know? It, it's like, e- even if other people are are present in the scene, say, I find that players don't really want to like overstep in someone else's story or, you know, they, maybe they, they just don't have a connection to it and they're just there. So they don't really, you know.
1: I always find myself tempted to take the B plot and run it back into the A plot. You know, it doesn't need to be, it can be its own separate story, but Hmm. you know, for some reason, I just have that tendency to, you know, start trying to, rejoin those back together Mm -hmm. i don't know why
3: i think i do that a lot too unfortunately i'm in a situation where my campaigns are almost always they have a finite amount of time like currently the game group that i game with is we run a campaign from september through april and we know it's going to be like 18 sessions or something like that um so it's really hard to get uh b plots to have really any sort of screen time um at least once we hit about the halfway point that's when i'm really trying to make sure all my plot threads are tying together and everything like that um so usually i kind of like introduce b plots at the beginning of the campaign and then they unfortunately either get left aside or i find a way to link them back to the primary plot uh you know as the campaign goes on um i think if i if we weren't limited in schedule like that, if we were able to just keep gaming and let campaigns go as long as as they want, um, that wouldn't be as much of an issue. But
1: yeah, I can see. That's it like, you know, I know people that do the once a month. I wouldn't mm-hmm. even try to do a B-plot in a once a month game because you've got so little time and you've got to focus on that time you have. Yeah, you know, I I wouldn't even attempt it. Yeah,
3: Yeah. my in-person game that I run is once every three months. So for a whole weekend, we game, and then we don't game again for three months. So the B-plot stuff ends up being usually via text over Discord or through email between the sessions. And then when we sit down and game is when everyone just goes hardcore on the primary plot as far as they can. And then once we break, then we go back to doing all the side stuff. And that's nice because then I can just do... Like our B plot stuff for that campaign is all right. It's just me and this character, and it's just me and this character. So they're kind of free to spread out and do their own things between sessions, um, which has kind of created its own, you know, its own interesting tidbits. So
2: that's something that I'm interested in with uh, our our current game. We uh, we game once a week, uh, mm-hmm. which I mean there, that level of frequency, and, and we usually hit pretty well, too. We, we don't really miss a whole lot.
1: Yeah, we may um, have a person out, but we mm-hmm. don't miss sessions, except for around Christmas.
2: Yeah, Christmas right, stops yeah. us. Uh, so we don't do a lot of, like, uh, it, we don't do stuff that when we aren't gaming, we're, we're still getting, like, text messages about role-play stuff, or uh, things like that. But we, we just moved our game organization over to a, a private discord and one of the things that i did is i i just threw out a in character channel for our game with mm. no ex- expected no priming anything like that and i'm curious if my group will will start kind of running with that because i think that that's a good place whether it doesn't matter that it's discord it, it's anything that you run it could be email facebook whatever yeah. whatever your organizational platform is but uh, I think that that's a good place for B plots. And this is not a huge hint, Wayne, because Wayne's my (laughs) game master in this game, but it's just something that I was kind of thinking about is that might be a good place to kick off a B plot or kind of seed one in, but probably you, you have to understand the culture of the group too. Mm, mm -hmm. Like our group doesn't do that yet. I want to see if I can get Mm. them to do it. Uh, So like, if your group doesn't do in-character offline, quote, online stuff, then it may not... You know, you send an in-character email, somebody might be like, uh... <laughs> K, send? Mm-hmm. Well,
1: one thing I'm finding interesting is there's one player in the group that she always gets into the games to the point of writing up extra characters, writing up NPCs, <laughs> making the, the houses in the game in The Sims... And she does all of this and like she'll talk about it at the session, but she's never gotten involved in any of like the text threads or Mm -hmm. Facebook conversations. But I already see her getting involved in the Discord conversation. Right. I don't know why it's different, but it is. She's much more likely to throw something out and start sharing the things that she was already going to be doing anyway. And I'm enjoying that because she also. This is a Dresden game, so it's Fate. She went through, and uh, the character sheets are all over at Chad's house, so she had access to all of them and made you know, a cheat sheet of everyone's aspects. Oh, and nice. It's like, you just saved me 15 minutes of typing them out. <laughs> Here's an extra Fate point this week. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah, I, I think it, it has to do with the platform, not because – well, so let, let's talk about the difference between – facebook and discord here because i just love throwing eric's show completely off the rails but the, <laughs> so, so let's talk about the difference between discord and facebook facebook is wonderful to organize games it is amazingly good because they have a built-in calendar, you can upload files, you can upload pictures very easily. Mm. 99% chance that anyone in your gaming group is already on Facebook. You can spin up multiple uh, like uh, groups for multiple games. Mm. Uh, They can be in character, all that sort of stuff. The problem with Facebook in this, at least from my observational standpoint, is that Facebook in and of itself, outside of your game, is very display. It's like, I'm doing this. I'm going here. I have this opinion. And then like, 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 oh, that's great. Nice, cool, wonderful. I don't agree with that. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And then that's about it. Discord on the other hand, it's IRC. I mean, you know, it's, it's a really fancy IRC with a voice chat thing. So, you know, it's nothing new. It's, it's 1990s, 1980s technology.
1: Yeah, the difference is if you did a Facebook group with a Facebook chat that was separate, then I think you would get the kind of thing that you're right. looking at. But you don't get channels in chat like you do in, right. say, a Discord.
2: So on Discord, when you, when you come to the platform, it is, you are coming there for a chat. Like, good old IRC, you're coming there. I think this. Oh, really? Yes, I do. Back and forth. A, B, A, B, back and forth. And there's this, this, a different engagement. And it's hmm. not really like, I went on vacation. Everyone's like, okay,
3: <laughs> you know, or maybe- well, and, and even beyond that, I think uh, the the strength and the versatility of the mobile inclusion of these like Facebook mobile messenger mm-hmm. versus discord, Um, I don't know about you guys, but Discord works a lot better on my phone than Facebook does, and it's so much easier to have multiple conversations going with multiple people, Um, like from solo conversations to group uh, conversations and stuff like that, just Discord is built, like that's the whole point of Discord, is to facilitate that communication, whereas Facebook the messenger part of it is, that's like secondary, kind of like what you're saying Facebook is a
2: wall, and Mm -hmm. or a waterfall, and everything flows from it, and that's great for social media Discord is organizations of chats. Right. So you can have your in-character chat, your out-character chat, your video game chat, your this, that, even within. And it's like subdivided and subdivided and subdivided. So mm-hmm. I think it, it does it a bit more. So, so to, tangenting
1: we, back to the actual topic. Yeah,
2: I was going to say, to one of the that things, what are that talking about? <laughs> one of the
1: things I'd been thinking about doing, well, I hadn't been thinking about it. something I was going to do with this campaign, is I wanted to do for each session after the first session, the beginning of the session, do a... Uh, I was calling it the Paranet Gazette. Uh, basically, a like a newsletter. Mm. The equivalent of the newspaper from the Paranet standpoint in the world. So, the characters give their, you know... Basically, their, here's what happened last week. And I get all of that, get them to re- refresh themselves. But then I give them what the rest of the world thinks about what happened.
3: Because...
1: Mm the rest of the world doesn't have all the perspective they do and how is the paranormal community reacting to all of these events. One of the things I wanted to do was actually sprinkle in some B plot stuff in there as, you know, maybe even C plot, just, you know, here's the main events, but here's, you know, another article or something else and start throwing in a few things here and there just to kind of get a little interest. Now yeah. I'm thinking instead of bringing that to the game, I might just post that into a Discord. Yeah, And that way it can be easily referenced. If anyone wants to go back and see it, they can go back and say, oh, well, week one there was this happening and week two there was this and look for those kind of sprinkled in things that they thought meant nothing. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I advertise a new uh, restaurant that's out there and they just ignore that as fluff because I was going to throw fluff in there. But then two or three sessions later, they realize that restaurant's being run by, you know, the mob. Mm. And it actually had some story to it. So they go back and reread that article. And I think that could really encourage what Chad's talking about with trying to get some of the kind of B conversations happening also offline between the weeks. If there's something out there and if. I'm demonstrating that I'm putting stuff in there for that. Maybe the players will kind of take that cue.
2: I think it would help too if there's like – if you're trying to have these B and C plots and you're trying to run them offline, which I do think is a great idea – trying to run them online sorry yeah uh, you, you it's a great idea especially if you don't game once a week if you if you mm. game monthly or even later i mean just to kind of keep the the interest and in, and in life of the thing going
1: yeah um, i think it's fun and can keep things going so i'm kind of i'll play with it a little i don't yeah. feel any stress to do that right. because we have a weekly game right. but a bi-weekly game or you know even worse a monthly game yeah some offline stuff can really keep that energy up.
2: And what mm-hmm. might help, like, because you're talking about the the Paranet, which in, in Dresden, they have this sort of sub-internet, sort of, I guess it's a message. Well, I've never read the books, but basically it's like people who are in the know kind of talking about, you know, uh, fantastical things that are happening in this urban fantasy. Yeah,
1: it's the really the low-powered, the minor talents that nobody's looking out for them, so they're going to look out for each other.
2: Yeah. And I think that what would help is... Y- because we're, what we're talking about here is an in-character, online, out-of-game thing. In the game, make an entry for that, for the player. Mm. Like, say, you know, have them get a message on their computer inviting them to this community. And then that community is also carries on online. And, and so there isn't this, well, I'm in my game mode, and then I have to jump into this other thing, cold feet, like, like how do I start this? What do right. I say?
1: Well, so- it wasn't a B-plot, C-plot thing, but something weird happened at uh, gaming this session that I've never seen before. And it was one of the players when his character was calling Chad's character, <laughs> he actually picked up his cell phone, dialed his number and called him at the table.
3: <laughs> That's, fun. That's fun. I've
1: seen text happen and be that be mm. the equivalent of passing notes but I've never seen anyone actually make a phone call before.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know if I liked it or if it was weird.
2: <laughs> it was a little weird because I, it, it was neat. It was yeah. fun. My first but... thought
1: is I'm running the game. It's like, oh, did he, does he have an emergency? Right. Um, and, it's like, and I stopped talking to give him time to you know, take care of whatever he needs to take care of. The, the,
2: the only problem with it was that it was a phone call with a guy sitting two feet from me. And so it was like, I, I was like, I just kind of wanted to hang up and play with the prop, and, but it, it kind of <laughs> took me by surprise. I've actually been in a game before at a convention, and God, what, what the hell is this game called? It's relationships and Rats. Like, it's about, it follows the story of a breakup of two people and it goes in these different phases, and it's just like... Oh, was out-
1: it a mutual decision?
2: Yeah, mutual decision, that's it. Oh,
1: okay. Mutual yeah.
2: decision, and then as they're breaking up, and it goes through these time jumps and phases, this supernatural rats start appearing, and it's like really cool. <laughs> but, so we were playing this, and we, we, did, we did some other cool stuff too. Like we did gender swaps where the guys were playing the girls, and the girls were playing the guys, and because we had two guys and two girls and uh we there was one part where we stopped talking to each other like the, the relationship was part and it was that thing well, well i'm not talking to him well i'm not talking to her sort of thing mm. and we were texting back and forth in character and it's just like <laughs> these sort of you know the entire table silent nobody's talking to each other but you know it's like two people playing one person we're like no no tell them this like yeah and then we're like <laughs> it's in and we're like look mm, like that and look at they're like oh. and then they're like, oh. <laughs> like rapidly it was, it was hilarious
1: <laughs> so chad how do you approach uh b plots c plots when you're running a game
2: um my sort of game mastering philosophy is uh even when i have a lot of plans notes and stuff or is I, I uh, ad lib a lot. I, I, I make stuff up on the fly. Um, and for me, I really take to heart this this marketplace of ideas concept where I throw something out and I, I'm trying to throw something good out that, that I believe will hook them. Hmm. And if it hooks them, well, that's a plot. If it doesn't hook them, then they, they're in this marketplace of my ideas and they're like, hmm, not interested. That one fades away. It, it hmm. just becomes really not important, uh, unless I'm feeling pissy about it, where I thought my idea was really good, then I'll have it bite him in the ass or something, but, you know, that's just me <laughs> being petty. But, the, uh, but yeah, it, so when you're th- – and, and I throw out, like, rapid ideas and rapid characters, or maybe I'll have a character, uh, like a shopkeeper or something, that I can think of a name of quick. And then I think of some flair form quick and suddenly they're interested in him. And then I'm mm. like, I'm kind of rolling with it. Well, suddenly I'm interested in him. They're interested in him. And now I'm making plots in store. I'm, I'm trying to fit him into the world while he becomes a B plot, so to speak. But
1: it I think really... a good example from one of my games for that kind of thing happening, there was an NPC that actually Dan created the original NPC uh, and she ended up having not only a B-plot that everyone followed, because everyone loved that NPC, she had her own character growth and character arcs. Because it was really obvious right away that all the players liked that NPC. They wanted to help her grow. Mm -hmm. And that, I never intended for that to have been a B-plot, but that ended up, I guess that may even be like a C-plot, because it, Mm -hmm. it had no real impact on the rest of the game but the players showed so much interest in that character and trying to help her that she became her own plot. Well, that's, that's kind of how it goes though. Like, like as a
3: GM, you'll present an NPC that is essentially just like a face painted on like a pumpkin. And you know, like that is <laughs> all that amount of character and personality to it going in. And for whatever reason, the players really latch onto it. And suddenly it's like, okay, now I have to give this pumpkin a family and, and motives and <laughs> And, like, I have that in my own, my D&D campaign that we do once every three months. Like, that happens all the time. There are NPCs. And, unfortunately, again, like, months will pass between games, so then I could invest into that NPC, and if I'm not keeping up with those players between sessions, then the next session that comes up, they could be like, who is that again? I don't remember this person. I'm like, well, shoot, now I have pages of notes for a character that they don't care about anymore. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I, I get that sometimes with characters that are, like, the players will go somewhere I didn't expect them to go, say... Mm-hmm. To a uh, to do clothes shopping, and then inevitably, chad will ask, "Hey, what's your name?" <laughs> <to> the shopkeeper, <laughs> and now that suddenly is a character that had mm-hmm. nev- never existed, but they decided they wanted to go shopping.
2: It it just warms my black little heart when I do that to Game Master, they look at me and their eyes narrow. It's like, "Oh wow, yeah, blah blah blah." Oh, what's your name? And they're like, "Oh, it's." John?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what I've taken to doing now is I just think about people that I work with. Mm-hmm. And when someone <laughs> asks the name, I immediately think of somebody at work and that NPC is now them
2: yep and, <laughs> it's and terrible do
1: people know what a gaming table works with me so they don't uh, know that except
2: no. we used to work together and you named one of the npcs after one of our coworkers, <laughs> who is not yeah. a very nice person and but the npc <laughs> is and now i'm having this like mental crack going on so
1: and that was thanks. intentional
2: yes i know <laughs> because you're a
0: jerk <laughs> So uh, Sergeant Dan has a question here. Uh, what happens when B plot and C plot diverge from each other or from the main plot? How do you handle that?
3: I think if you're doing the stuff between sessions, like we've been talking about, like with discord and, and Facebook, that becomes a good venue for that. Um, because if, especially if there's still investment in the main plot, um, that might be a good place to sequester that divergence, uh, because then you can still give it the attention it needs, and and if people are still interested in it, obviously, then you can you know you can give that its own place to grow, uh, but then you're still focusing the main part of the game, your sessions, on the main plot. Which again, if players are invested in, that shouldn't be an issue. Uh, if a C plot or or if a, if an additional plot is getting more interest uh, than the main plot, then uh, I think it, you have to go back to at least what I would do, what you established in session zero and maybe even have another side conversation with the players and be like, okay, like everybody's really enjoying this and that's great. Where do you want me to focus my efforts as a game master? And, and that's more of a conversation that I'm prone to do because, again, a lot of my games, they only run you know, a limited number of sessions. So that's something that I need to, to get ahead of and make sure that I'm well prepared for. If uh, the
1: C-plot is getting more attention than the others, it's now become a B-plot. It just got promoted. If it's early in the campaign and a B plot's getting more attention, that B plot might just become the new A plot.
3: Yeah, exactly. And
1: kind of merge those. Uh, But one of the other things that I like to do with that is if uh, they've been hammering on my antagonists and suddenly the B plot gets some interest, then it's giving my antagonist breathing room to further their things to make it more interesting when they come back to the A plot. Exactly. So, there is, something has happened. They're off doing B plot. Give them a little time. Now I can make some interesting things happen with A plot, and look at it and say why is B plot more interesting? But they want to come back to A plot. How can I make these changes that are happening because there's breathing room make mm. that more interesting for them?
2: Mm. I think some game masters uh, get concerned with adding too many A. B plots, C plots, that sort of thing they, they have, There's too many threads go, um, they they want to focus on their plot, their story. I mean, then, you know, a game mastering is hard work. You got a lot of, you know, balls in the air that you're trying to juggle. But, you know, if you think of it as you know, I'm throwing out a, a B plot, or they, the characters have become interested in something and now it's evolving into a B plot, and it's not going to gel well with the A plot. I don't understand how that's going to be. Don't squish it. Think of it this way when you run your game, your A plot, any Game Masters game for any amount of time knows that, you know, any plan goes out the window as soon as it makes contact with the enemy. So your A plot, it, you run your A plot through the whole game, and then at the end of the session, you're like, "Great game, guys! Thanks a lot." Oh my God, they fucked me! And yeah. you spend that time into the next session, kind of cleaning things up, tweaking things, changing things, you know, kind of talking yourself off the ledge and making things run smooth. Same thing for the B plots. You know, B plot doesn't gel into your main plot at all. Uh, it's a character that that you don't think that really fits within the theme of the story. Uh, go with it your players know what they want and like better than you know what they want and like. (laughs) So go with it and let it mess up your game. Mm -hmm. And then in the between times between your game, think about it. Think about be creative, integrate that. You know, it's like the old Bob Ross thing. It's not a problem. It's a happy little accident. You've got more plot and more characters. Now it's a good thing figure out how to make it work. And just, yep. just kind of, it, it, it's not a bad thing. It's a story element you're integrating into your story. It's, it's a piece of the puzzle that you didn't know was on the floor under the table. And now it's there in the puzzle. So yep. you just got to figure out where it goes.
1: One thing I did once was uh, the B-plot had a NPC that one of the characters latched onto. And she hated this NPC. You know, she wanted that. she wanted them dead more than anything. And so I thought about it. It's like, okay, the B plot, it isn't the plot that she's interested in, it's that character. So mm. what do I want to do with that character? And I decided at that point, that character just got a power upgrade and now is you know <laughs> one of the main villains. That was never intended. You know, it was just going to be a minor annoyance character that suddenly, okay, now I'm tying it in with the main plot because that NPC has taken off. And, you know, I had that uh, between sessions, sat down and I thought about it. It's like, how can I make that connection and tie it in and give her enough power that now she's a real threat for them? Hmm. And I think it worked out really well. It, the, that NPC survived until the last session of that campaign and then Chad killed it.
2: <laughs> Screw her, man. She's... Well, she was not very nice, Wayne. <laughs> You know, one of the things that uh, it, you have to be careful with with B-plots, too, is think of it this way. The, your players go, your players, your, your care, the characters go into a shop and they meet the shopkeeper. And they ask him what their name is. And then suddenly he has a name and a backstory and, you know, two or three sessions go on. And, and it, it's like they adopted him. Right. You know, and, and they adopted the story in, and they're, they're having fun with it. Well, sometimes what happens is a kid goes into a toy store and sees something really cool and convinces you to buy it, and when you get home, they don't care about it anymore. <laughs> and that's happened with me, and it's cool because it's part of human nature. You know, you you can't be 100% engaged in 100% of the things 100% of the time. It's unrealistic. Right. So but you do have to understand as a game master, too, is as these players get buy in to B plots and B characters and all that sort of thing, they are also their attention is going to get pulled from them. Uh, An example I had is uh, I ran this fantasy game and we had this paladin and she went to it. This temple to pray wasn't her goddess, but, you know, it's a good Mm. aligned temple and that sort of thing. And so she went to the temple and she started talking to this priestess. Well, the temple appeared. It sprung from the earth because my player asked about it. And this priestess sprung from the earth because you kind of need somebody there to tend shop. And they, she started talking to her and like asking her name and what did she look like and Hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like trying to think Think of the fly, think and fly, think and fly. Totally latched into her. other characters came by latched into her character too. The paladin started a romantic relationship with the character that spanned <laughs> multiple games. Other characters latched into her, and because she was like all sweet and innocent and stuff, they like it was kind of treat her like a puppy almost, mm. and you know really cared for her and such. And so it kept, I kept like pulling her up and pulling her up and pulling her up a little bit. I mean, she was never part of the main plot, but she right. was flavor of the world and of this town that they were in. And they were, and she was important to the characters.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I thought, and then I uh, had a, I won't go into a big gaming story, but there was a huge moment of tension. And within that moment of tension to make the characters act, instead of being bystanders going, oh, wow, that's crazy. I put this character and had her do something stupid and put her in danger. Hmm. The idea being is that over the past three months, they had been interacting with her. Again, not the main plot. She's not, hmm. she's not an A plot. She kind of hovers between you know B minus C plus plot, but they, they care about her. She, they interact with her often. She did something stupid because she's not the brightest girl, and she did it out of known motivations, thinking that they're going to rescue her. The first thing out of their mouth is, how dare she? She's endangering us all. I shoot her in the back with a crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. What? <laughs> and it, the, the shiny had faded. Uh, <laughs> before that, the romantic subplot had uh, come to a head because it was like a, a, a Torm paladin who was all about war and justice. And uh, I forget what the hell goddess the, the priestess worshipped, but it was a pacifist. She was a pacifist. Hmm. I mean, she was like, oh, well, you're going to go out there and do good, right? Like, no, no honey, I, I'm, I'm going to kill a lot of people, hon, sort of <laughs> conversation. So the relationship was not going to work.
1: Right. And
2: that, that conversation happened, and they broke up, and it was really neat. Really, really cool. And that I did not interpret the situation correctly. The interest had faded for them, but it well, hadn't faded for me.
1: There was definitely also a case of outside-the-game influences affecting was, that session, yeah. too. <laughs> so you have to ask yourself when something like this happens, is it that the, they don't care about the NPC anymore, or is there something outside of the game? And the easy way to answer that question is look at the rest of the session. Mm -hmm. right if there are other signs in the rest of the session okay let's not jump to that conclusion right away Mm -hmm. if there's no other signs and it's just that then maybe they just don't care about that npc anymore (laughs) right and i go ahead
2: ahead. oh i was gonna say you know and, and in that case like that's one of the things that game that's one of the skills a game master needs to have is especially in games where there's a lot of character character development and character integration with the plot is the, the game master really has to read the tea leaves. And I did not read the tea leaves. Like when yeah. there was an outside thing that had happened and I thought that we were past it, but we weren't. And mm. so it was affecting role play. We, sh- we shouldn't have game. We should have played board games or that sort of thing. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. It ha- so, And it happens, yeah.
1: So um, I found more often if uh, everyone gets all excited about a concept and then it fades away, they, it was that excitement got generated during character creation. Oh. And they thought I was going to care about this. But then once they get the voice of their character, it's not there. Yeah, Sometimes people just too. forget about things. Uh, yeah. There's a guy that I game with that his character has a dog. And he, you know, he actually was an important part of the character. But then when you start gaming, suddenly everything happens. And you haven't actually been home in two days. And <laughs> you know it's hard to work in things like that when you're not regularly going to those locations and you know had that conversation during a you know basically a post game where he, he said you know i i want to bring that in so he actually asked the gm hey can we in the next couple games just give me an opportunity to stop by and just show that yes i do still care about this part of my character right i uh, i had a character that had a pet and i completely forgot the character had a pet because it was a character I played, you know, around Halloween once a year. Hmm. So, aspects like that, there were a lot of aspects of the character I just forgot about. And when I realized that I wasn't going back to it, I remembered I was excited to have a uh, Sugar Glider as a pet because I had just found out about them for the first time. And seen them in the malls, and I thought they were kind of cool. And I looked them up, and I saw how the mall people are all just horrible people. That and <laughs> these—they're mis-selling these animals. They are nothing like they sell them as. And, you know, I actually learned a lot about them. I thought they were really cool. A year later, it was a year ago that I found out about it and thought they were cool. Now I don't really have that interest right. anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, over time, just things in real life. Tend to impact gaming interest for me sometimes. Yeah, you know, sure. I'll I'll learn about something and then that's what I'm excited about. I'll hear about it on a podcast for a while. I'll, I'll get excited about it, and it'll work its way into a game. But two three months later, that excitement has faded, and I'm ready to move on to something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah with b and c plots do you guys
3: find and this again might be just more of a thing for me because i'm so used to having campaigns on a ticking clock but um do you guys find that you you generally try to apply like a certain amount of time to a b and c plot like for instance you go okay like c plots are going to be anything that comes up and gets resolved within the session and b plots can maybe go between one and two or one and three sessions um, but in order to keep the emphasis on the a plot like Everything else, you have like a maybe you have an idea or you have a goal for how quickly you want to have those resolved, quote unquote.
2: For me, it's 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 about story beats. Um, mm. The from a player perspective, B plots are interesting things or really interesting things if they involve their character or they're nothing. For me, they're they're as a game master, they're they're story beats. They, they flavor the world they they raise tension, they lower tension, they pull people in, they cause division they they they're tools that I need to happen or that there there's things I need to happen and they they are tools that I use to make them happen sure. so you know if it's like if a character if i if a character has a scary B plot, you know, something about their past coming back to haunt them and they don't want to deal with it. And we're doing a lot of tense stuff as a group. Um, then I really tap the brakes on that B plot. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Unless they go seeking it out, which they usually sure. don't. Uh, not to say that characters don't go out seeking plots, but if they're doing tense, scary stuff, they're not going to go seek out tense, scary stuff. They're going to seek out mm-hmm. the fun stuff, right? Uh, the funny stuff. Um, and It's just, to me, they're just levers that you have to to kind of push at the appropriate time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, I have, I have ran several games where there have been B plots and C plots that just, you know, fizzle out. They like, they kind of come up and players are interested in them and then stuff, life happens, stuff happens, <laughs> you know, we got to stop the bad guy from destroying time. You know, I don't have time to, you know, visit grandma's grave. Like I promised mom. Mm. And uh, you know, it, you, you just have to kind of, kind of roll with it. Uh, I think when a campaign is over, it's kind of fun to review your notes with your players and say, Oh yeah. And you know how you made your promise to your mom about visiting grandma's grave. They're like, oh, I totally forgot. Oh, crap. I'm a horrible person. I'm like, eh, you know, you save the world, though. So it's cool.
1: So I don't put any time to them. But this time, like I said I have every character has a B-plot that sure. will come, come up whenever. For some of those, I actually gave them a purpose. Mm-hmm. One, one of them is the tension release valve. It's more fun and comedic subplot. That if, I, if things get too tense, too dark, I can start to flavor that in and use that as a release valve. Mm-hmm. One what? of them is a, the other way, a tension valve. If things start going too easy and start getting too, kind of too loose, I have the tension valves plot that can bring it back up. Sure. The other three, their purpose is to explore some aspect of the world. So we went through character creation. We set up all these really cool places. We've got all of these interesting things. Those are ways to explore those, you know, bring those in. So there's Mm -hmm. a purpose to each of the B plots for me this time. I haven't done that in the past. Usually they're just things that could get flavored in. So it's not all gung ho down one path. Right. But this time I've given them all a goal. We'll see how well I can actually meet that goal with them. Because I haven't tried that before. But mm-hmm. you know, I like having that. Not only are they there if someone doesn't show up, but right. if I find I want, like I said, I want tension to rack it up, I'm gonna start introducing one of them. If right. I want some more lighter moments, I'm going to pick a different one to start you know, introducing in. And right. I think Chad hit it early on. While they'll could focus on one character, very important to me that when they come up, it's not a, this is their show and everyone else is just a, you know, a bit player. Right. I, I want yeah. everyone involved, everyone interested, or at least multiple characters involved and interested. You know, just because it came out of their backstory or out of an item I gave them, that doesn't mean that it is only them involved in it. Mm-hmm.
2: So how much do you, do you, what do you guys think? How much of an, a B-plot or C plot or any level of plot, how much of it is incumbent upon the player to pursue track down and initiate? How much of it is incumbent upon the GM to push it onto the player and, and kind of make the player put it in front of the player so that they can't go around. They have to sort of at least acknowledge it and interact with it.
1: I will never force players down my B plots. I'm going to put it in front of them. And if they actively avoid it, I'll accept that message and that one will go away. Or it'll be retooled and be reintroduced in a different way. Yeah. But yeah. I will never force them down that path.
3: I often uh approach campaign planning a lot like I would like with a, a video game RPG where it's like there is the story and it's usually the story that me and the group the players during session zero have decided we all want to do like i usually give them like three or four to pick from just you know broad strokes and then they pick from there so there's that and that's that's the main focus and we all kind of know that that's the main focus and then um from there anything that's extra any sort of like b plots if i come up with b plot points that i want to introduce oftentimes those are going to present a choice that is um uh, adjacent to the main plot that they could do, but they know that that will set them back on progression on the main plot, like whether that's time or resources or whatever. Um, and then whether or not they pursue that B plot or how that resolves will then also then influence the main plot as well, not in a huge way, but in a way that makes, you know, increases that verisimilitude in the world. Um, if it's B plot stuff that comes up from the player's input, like from something they came up with during a session um, or if it's something that I just suddenly thought of, then I'll usually just leave that up to them and then maybe later I'll find a way to have that influence the A plot. But I, I always try and have everything one way or another link back to the A plot and have some level of influence because I always, I want them to feel like I don't want the players to feel like there are like the world is segmented and like I can do whatever I want over here and that's not going to affect everything else. You know what I mean? I'm really a big fan of that, like unified game world. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's often my goal is to make sure that it's all kind of like a big web.
2: Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, a lot of B plots are come from character backgrounds where the players say, well, I want to, you know, my parents were murdered and I want to find out who murdered them. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, great, except we're going to save, the dragon from the princess you know that neither of those two entities killed your parents so i'm not going to put that in my game and it's it's like then there's nothing wrong with the story i i think that you the the sort you can have too many b plots you can have too many threads going uh and i do really think that a lot of those threads come from players who hand you five pages of background. (laughs) Uh, You know, they put a lot of work into it. And I love the enthusiasm. But usually I find that those kinds of players with that level of enthusiasm really are insistent about that background that they spend a lot of effort on Mm -hmm. being there in the game. And it's like, not all of them. You know, I mean, I do do it, but Wayne is one of them. Uh, My wife Dawn is another one. Reams of story about their character that I never (laughs) even see. They don't even show it to me.
0: Hmm. But,
2: you know, they, there are, I have had players before where it's like, well, I wrote this novella about my character. Why did you not look on page 85 about Grandmama? And I'm like, because I didn't read it at all. Hmm. You know, it's, there's, as a game master, I'm A, really lazy. And B, really busy. And the Game Master has to do a lot of stuff. And it's the conjunction of the busyness and the laziness that makes it hard for me to Game Master. So your 85-page novella about Grandmama did not make the cut, sir. I am sorry.
1: Well, and I know a lot of GMs I've heard have the complaint about when they do pull something from that, the player's not latching onto that. Yeah. I want to give one piece of advice to that of when they don't latch onto it, one of the reasons they might not latch on to it is because there's a misunderstanding between you and them about what was written. I've had that happen Could twice, be. where as a player, I've given out you know, information and the GM read it differently than I had intended it or the GM misread it or I typoed something. And when it actually comes up in game, I would have jumped in and I would have given that to the GM, but I didn't recognize that as what I had given them because it was coming out differently. I've had that happen with both Dan and Chad where, Mm -hmm. you know, they, there was something that just wasn't, you know, I gave it. And then there was some minor misunderstanding. And when it came up, I didn't latch on. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I didn't recognize that. That's what I had given.
2: Yeah. Like Wayne, he made a backstory where his father, and he made his father, I believe a barbarian. Yeah. Uh, And, I had read it wrong. Now, and this was a game where their parents were important. Like I okay. made them write their parents and their parents were characters and it, I needed that from them to make the story work. And so they gave it to me uh, and he made his character Barbarian and he even wrote about it. You know, I was like, Raw, rage, you know, and stuff. And his character was a, a sickly mage, you know, mm-hmm. scholar. It's like, well, you'll never be as strong as me sort of character. And I misread the character I think read it right when he gave it to me, and then I introduced his character his father's character like six months later and I misremembered it. Sure. And he was a fighter. So in my mind now, the room oh, like why can't you be strong like me character suddenly became I am a general. I am a general of the army. <laughs> and you disappoint me. And that was sure. the voice of the character. I mean it's just like these are two different characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Wayne was I I don't know if you didn't, you know, if you had a hard time latching on or, or catching in, but it, it's. I think you even said, "Is, is this my dad?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah,
1: yeah." And as oh a shit! Play, <laughs> yeah, as a player, Sorry. I will. I'll jump on and help a GM out. Yes, you, you do. It, so if something is presented and I'm not latching on, there's probably a miscommunication somewhere because, you know, and I'm not recognizing that this is what's being tossed out to me.
2: Yeah.
3: So how much, um, and this is a question for you guys, obviously, but how much do you partner with your players when you're prepping or when you're um, like designing your B-plot stuff, like beyond session zero, like between sessions when you're like, oh, this would be a great point for, for instance, Wayne's dad to come in. Mm -hmm. How much do you like then message Wayne or message whoever and then ask like, okay, let's talk about this character Um, what is he like? What, you know, that sort of thing. And I guess it's sort of different if the person's giving pages and pages of backstory at session zero, which my players don't do. (laughs) Um, they, they just don't. So Mm -hmm. then when I try to do like incorporate a B plot, I'll often do that. I'll get in touch with them. And usually I'll do it like sessions ahead of time, just so then it's not like, you know, totally giving away what's going to happen, but I'll be like, okay, like let's talk about your backstory now. Like, let's talk about these characters that you mentioned and let's hammer out some details um so, and that it you know sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but
1: i'm gonna say it varies sure so when chad and i worked together we talked about whatever game we were playing or running all through the week yeah we
2: sat so, next to each other right mm-hmm. yeah
1: so things like that happened usually not even slightly don't mm-hmm. even talk about the game really with people players between sessions because it's a weekly game
3: yeah oh sure If it yeah. were monthly mm-hmm. it would
1: kind of come up more but yeah, usually not at all. Uh, maybe something thrown in on, like, in chat or something. But mm-hmm. I with this game, since we have the Discord going, I expect a lot more of that to happen. Sure. And there are things, like, if there are big events. Uh, Chad was running a Blades in the Dark game, and we got a new business. So between sessions, I wrote up all of the NPCs of the business and mm. gave him, you know gave him that uh and i know don did that for him too when yep. we had another business and then she did all of the npcs for that business right. And we basically that was a big guy. Uh, here's your chunk of the world to create and hand over sure and then he built b plots off of what we handed over but normally no that's not something i've normally done hmm. i i expect
2: nothing and that way I'm never sure. disappointed. And that's not, like a, <laughs> that's not like a nihilistic, jaded sort of thing. I, I right. think it's actually kind of a healthy way to look at it. Uh, because, again, you know, like I say, I am lazy and I'm busy and GMs have a lot of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that same thing's true for the players. I mean, oh, yeah. we're in our 40s. We got lives and kids and stuff. I, I expect nothing from my players except what I at like a session zero, what I ask them, mm-hmm. and then what they give me. When players go above and beyond, and they start giving me stuff, and again, we're not talking about the telenovela about grandma, about abuela, and you know all how wonderful she is. Hmm. We're talking about like like what Wayne was saying. You know, they they got a new business, that's yep. cool. And for me, from my perspective, it was like, oh, they get one extra coin a session from it, whatever. Sure. Wayne ran with it. I mean, he talks. He's saying, oh, well, I made some NPCs. No, you didn't. You made the entire <laughs> fucking employee list. You yeah. made signage. You made floor plans. It was great because it was wonderful because those are tools for me yes. that I don't yeah. have to use.
1: I, know, gave him, I, I gave him, uh, I think, three sentences on each character because I didn't want to go too far. Yeah, those right. sentences were where they came from, what their motivations were, and how they felt about at least one other character character one other NPC. Mm-hmm. So they were things that could be plot hooks if he wanted to use them. Right. And I knew handing it to him, this might never come up. Right. Yep. But it's something I've thought about and I'll be interacting with. If mm-hmm. he wants to use it, it's there and he doesn't have to do any of it. If he doesn't, it's not going to bother me. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah, totally. And the thing is that when people, I, I run, a, I, I do a lot of ad lib stuff, even though more lately I've been doing more notes, having more planning, but even, but within session, I still, the, the world flows and it's open. I love collaborative world building. I mm. love collaborative world building on the fly. You know, it's like you go into the shop and you ask the person's name. Don't ask the person's name. Just tell me their name. Tell me mm. what my NPC's name is like. Hey, Bob, I haven't seen you in a while. I'm not going to be like... You've never been to this store before. Rolled your contact. No, it's just like, oh, hey, Wayne's character. I haven't seen you in forever. Because, sure. you know, it, it keeps me mentally there's, there's, there's an entire episode about why I do that and why that's a good thing. But you, you really have to not forget what the hell you were talking about
3: (laughs) this is where the b plot became more interesting
1: so you ask how much uh between games i actually did that to chad once and uh i gave him maybe a minute or two before it was about to happen to his character it was it was a i like doing games and story arcs where i'll do the big arc and then wrap up do some you know maybe even play a different game between and then come back for the next arc. Mm-hmm. And it was the end of the arc, and I slide him a post-it note, or a uh, note card that just says, hey, I want to do something really horrible to your character. you cool with that?
2: <laughs> and he, Who would say no? Well, <laughs> if you would say no to that, you're a boring player. Yeah. That's well, all I'm going to say.
1: <laughs> and in that case, that was the one time where after that, before we started up the next uh, campaign, well, the next story arc, I actually did sit and have the conversation with Chad of, okay, here's a couple questions about what happened with that. The, by the way, the horrible
2: thing was he killed my character and threw yeah. my character off a bridge. Sure. It was,
1: I left it... And, you know, as a question of is it bad or not, and <laughs> yeah. that was one of the things I, weren't visibly I, I saw sharp the knife blade the come bottom. out of his
2: chest yeah. and fell off to the bridge. It was yeah. great. <laughs> I loved it. It was great. Yeah. Everyone but we was like, the,
1: "Holy shit!" We had that conversation of, "Okay, do you want to play the character? If you do, I, I know what we're going to do with it. Uh, do you want to do? Because he had been doing different characters in different uh, story arcs. So there was another character he wanted to do, and then I asked him, "Do you, Chad, want to know if?" your character is alive or dead. And he told me, no, I don't want to know. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, But we had a few questions about, I had a few questions to kind of build up to that of, uh, you know, what, what he would like, how he would like to advance it. And that was kind of what it ended up is when he was playing some, someone else, it's, you know, okay, well, do you want to know if he's alive or dead? That is going to be a plot point. That is going to be a, one of the plots. Sure. And, He's like, I, I don't want to know. We'll mm-hmm. find out in game.
2: Yep. And we did. It was great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've, that was the first time I'd ever done anything like that, and it worked out very well. But yeah, I, we did talk about it between sessions. Mm-hmm. You know, actually between story arcs. But when it actually happened, I was just a passing a note a couple seconds before it actually happened. Sure. Yeah.
2: And and that's the thing is good b plots i think they happen on the fly they they happen very spontaneously and they really work if you have players who will work with you on it who will do that collaborative world building stuff and not just run run along with you along your adventure and kind of kind of take if they add to the world you you really need to to find those players in your game and start throwing them a little bit more And then see what b plots come out of that and and run with those the goal is to hopefully get your other players who aren't into that into it but i will give a warning with that because like wayne and like my wife these these people these kinds of players give a lot to the gm they also help the gm in the game they 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 ad-lib along with him and they they cover for his mistakes wayne has certainly covered for plenty of mine And so when someone gives me that sort of energy, I give it back to them Mm -hmm. because it's like fuel for my game mastering, right? I have had players in the past who aren't like that. They want to run along with the plot. They're engaged. They have great characters. Mm -hmm. they're, They're all that stuff, but they don't do any of that. And that's cool. And you don't punish them for that. They're, they're engaged with the story. That's, that is the entry right there. That is the minimum entry is to be engaged with the story. Everything else is extra. But you give focus to the people who are doing stuff and the people who don't do the stuff, sometimes they notice that they're not getting as much spotlight or consideration in the game and they don't understand that they're not getting that because they're not giving as much as the other people. So you have to go back. You have to read the tea leaves and know your group. And you have to be able to, to, to kind of balance that, all those feelings and such. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, call back to something we talked about before with the uh, coming up with the names out of nowhere. Actually doing something, this campaign that I haven't done before, in that I'm looking at the players. And I've got two players I've never run for before. And then the others, we've got in jokes, we've got, there is all that history and we're trying our hardest not to let that come up and not to let that be a barrier. One of the things I've done in a few places is I've picked names for NPCs that are specifically from books that they've talked about, that they've read, that no one else has. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I'm giving them in in jokes here and there that they can have to make them feel more included.
0: It's like... It you think about like well. the
1: Captain America of, I get that reference. <laughs> I'm giving them those moments of, I get that reference.
2: It's right. already paying off dividends, too. It works really
0: well. Dusty Van City is asking, uh, how do you handle low buy-in from, uh, from a player if like, the written B-plot is for char- their character's arc, but, oh, I forgot uh, about the uncle in my backstory, or I don't even care about my backstory. How do you handle that?
2: Poorly uh very i throw temper tantrums i get real petty uh uh, i i think i've said it in the past on on big 20 uh character players not having buy-in or being checked out is my kryptonite i well this is different though because this is
3: this is a lack of buy-in in their own content um, yeah, this is almost yeah. like uh, the way I'm it's reading worse. this. Well, the way I'm reading this is that there, there's more buy-in to the con, like the main campaign than there is to what they created at character creation. Uh-huh. So I think in that case, mm-hmm. the easiest way to handle it is like cut it off as quick as you can, like resolve yeah. it as soon as you can and then just move on from
1: it. Yeah. Like if not, there if, are players like that, that, yeah. you know, they will give you the backstory because you as a GM have asked them for the backstory But as far as they're concerned, their story started the moment this campaign started. Yeah, Right. They erupted from the earth. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't really have those players in my group as far as I know right now, Mm -hmm. as I'm running for two of them for the first time, but I've seen those players and for them, they will go through and do whatever paperwork they need to do to start the game. But after that, their character isn't fully developed in their mind until they're playing. And, their backstory isn't interesting to them. They want to know the, the future and the current story. And yeah. there are people like that too. Like There are people that really focus on the now and mm-hmm. they don't want to dwell in the past and they don't want to go back. And mm-hmm. I think that's okay. If Once oh, yeah. you realize it, like you were saying, they, if that's something that's not going to motivate them, then I'm going to get rid of that plot quickly.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Well, and and some of it, too, can even be influenced by the system that you're running. Uh, for instance, D&D 5th Edition, um, if you're starting at level one, the character you're playing at level one, is it's not going to be vastly different, but it's going to be particularly different from when you get to, like, three, depending on your class, because mm-hmm. there that's when you pick your class specialization and for a lot of classes, and that can have, um, like, for instance, a fighter. If you're doing a Battlemaster versus an Eldritch Knight, you're going to be playing very differently. Um, so that could be now I'm level three, suddenly my character is operating differently on the mechanical end of it. And that also then influence how I think about this character, as far as their backstory and their their personality and everything goes like, so now do like, because this player has this shift, does that suddenly mean that everything before that is rendered like obsolete? Or do they is the character is the player interested in trying to find like a, a, a narrative reason for why there's that shift so that can even be influenced by the system itself so something you have to be aware of
1: yeah i'm very guilty of sitting down and creating a character and having a whole backstory and having what i think the voice is and then actually playing and realizing that's not the voice of this character because Mm -hmm. of -hmm. the people i'm with right a lot of my character We'll be, we'll grow out of those first few sessions of seeing how it interacts with other characters. Yeah, I'll discover things about the voice that I want to come out from that.
0: We're almost out of time, so let's uh, go go around the table and uh, tell everyone where they can find you.
1: All right, uh, this is Wayne again. Fear the boot.
2: Uh, feartheboot.com. I'm Chad. <laughs>
1: Um, I'm Nick.
3: You can find me at nicholascorey.com, N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-K-O-R-Y.com, also on the Mythos Busters podcast.
0: All right. Uh, Thank you, Wayne, uh, Chad, and Nick for hosting this week. Uh, And thank you, Sergeant Dan, for the uh, excellent question. Gage, your question was answered uh, without it having to even been asked. (laughs) that's all thanks uh and then dusty van city coming in at the end with a really strong uh, question there too that took us over time so that was nice um let's see next week hosts are or next week's hosts are pete gage and dan um remember big 20 streams every uh, sunday night at 9 p.m central and we will see you next time